March 20th. Our narrative in the New Testament today will come from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. And here's what we'll find there. In Luke chapter 4, we'll be reading about the conqueror. You can be filled with the Spirit and obedient to God's will and still experience temptations and trials. Because He faced the enemy and conquered, Jesus can identify with you in your temptations and can help you win the victory. It's not a sin to be tempted, for Jesus was tempted, but it is a sin to yield. Satan's promise is, all will be yours. But in Jesus Christ, you already have all things, and Satan can give you nothing. And that's exactly what he always gives. Nothing. We'll read about the preacher. The Spirit not only gives us victory, but he leads us and empowers us for service. The text for our Lord's message was Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. It describes what Jesus came to do and what he is still doing in lives today. The people in the synagogue wanted a comforting sermon, not a convicting sermon. When Jesus mentioned God's grace to the Gentiles, the people became angry and threw him out. They forfeited his blessings because they rejected his word. And with that, let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. March 20th, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit to go out into the wilderness, where the devil tempted him for forty days. He ate nothing all that time and was very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, change this stone into a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say, people need more than bread for their life. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil told him, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus replied, The Scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God, serve only Him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, He orders His angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The Scriptures also say, Do not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Soon he became well known throughout the surrounding country. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. The scroll containing the messages of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll to the place where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, 
that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. Everyone in the synagogue stared at him intently. Then he said, This scripture has come true today before your very eyes. All who were there spoke well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that fell from his lips. How can this be? they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, Probably you will quote me that proverb, Physician, heal yourself, meaning, Why don't you do miracles here in your hometown, like you did in Capernaum? But the truth is, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many widows in Israel who needed help in Elijah's time, when there was no rain for three and a half years, and hunger stalked the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a widow of Zarephath, a foreigner in the land of Sidon. Or think of the prophet Elisha, who healed Naaman, a Syrian, rather than the many lepers in Israel who needed help. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and took him to the edge of the hill on which the city was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he slipped away through the crowd and left them. Let's go. Psalm 23, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. The, the shepherd watches over the sheep. Here's where we go to eat. Here's where we go to sleep. He's, he's, his job is to take care of the sheep. His job, in essence, is the sheep. That's his job. That's what he does. That's what he is uh, about. And so the Lord is my shepherd. So what's the Lord about? The Lord is about me. The Lord is for me. The Lord is after me. The Lord is watching over me. It's in the text. Now let's keep going. I shall not want. What a great gift that line is. I won't be in want. The, the deepest needs of my heart and my soul will be satisfied in my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So you can lie down or you can be made to lie down. Don't feather Jesus' hair, all right? You'll bow or you'll bow. All right, let's keep going. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Listen to this. He leads me beside still waters. That's peace. He brings us into peace. And watch this. He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness. So now this sounds like God is really into me. I mean, he's leading me beside still water. I mean, come on, who does that if they're not into you? He's leading me in the paths of righteousness. But look at why. Look at the motivation in God's heart for all of the shepherding and reviving and restoring. He leads me in paths of righteousness for what reason? For his name's sake. So God's motivation behind his shepherding you, his provision for you, his love for you, his passion about you. Really, the motive in all of that isn't that you're great. It's that he's great. So the motivation is his glory, his name, his renown. And this is what you're going to see over and over and over again in the Bible in a way that God does not feel need uh, to apologize for. Let me, let me show you 
what I mean. In Isaiah 43, it says that God created us for his glory. In Isaiah 49, that God called Israel for his glory. In Psalm 106, that God rescued Israel from Egypt for his glory. That God raised up Pharaoh to show his power and glorify his name. That's Romans 9, very unpopular chapter. God defeated Pharaoh at the Red Sea to show his glory. God spared Israel in the wilderness for the glory of his name. That's Ezekiel 20. God gave Israel victory in Canaan for the glory of his name. Why did he drive out that people? In fact, he tells Israel something we need to remember. He literally comes to Israel and goes, I'm not driving them out because you guys are awesome. You are a stiff-necked, rebellious people. I'm driving them out because I'm awesome. John 7, 18, Jesus sought the glory of his Father in all that he did. In Matthew 5, 16 and 1 Peter 2, 12, we see that Jesus tells us to do good works for the glory of his name. All right, I'll, I'll keep going. Some of you are still skeptical. Okay. Um, in John 14, Jesus said that he answers prayer that God may be glorified. In John 12 and John 17, Jesus endures his final hours of suffering for the glory of God. Now, um, what, what you see in the Bible is this is from Genesis to Revelation, the, the story of the Bible, that God, for the glory of his name, is reconciling and reclaiming all things to himself. So this is what you've got to get. I want to try to help you here with something that's pretty big, pretty epic. All right, so look right at me. The Bible's not about you. If you think that way, you'll read the Bible wrong. You'll keep infusing yourself into the stories of the Bible like you're the hero. All right, so I, I mean, I want to be straight. I love you enough to be straight. You're not David. All right, your trouble in life is not Goliath. then man, you put a weight on your shoulders that, listen to me, you will not be able to bear. Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the greater Moses. Jesus is the greater Abraham. It's a whole point of the book of Hebrews. That Jesus is the greater than. So, so if you want to do this, I mean, you want to dig in. So that means Jesus is going to be David in this shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Huh? And it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. All right, so let's make sure we're playing the right part in the story. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 11. This psalm probably grew out of David's painful experience during the rebellion led by his son Absalom. Imagine the king having to leave his comfortable palace and flee to the wilderness to hide once again. When you find yourself in a wilderness situation again, well, take inventory of the things that really are important. David said, I still have God. The God you worship in the sanctuary is with you in your difficulty. If you hunger and thirst after him, he will satisfy you. David said, I still have a song. David could not go to the altar and offer sacrifices to God but he could lift his hands and his voice as spiritual sacrifices. When you praise God, your inner person is nourished and you are satisfied. And then he said, I still have 
joy in the Lord. If you cannot rejoice in your situation, you can always rejoice in your Savior, His past help, His present protection, and His future guidance. He hides you and holds you, so you have nothing to fear. Psalm chapter 63, verses 1 through 11. A Psalm of David, regarding a time when David was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better to me than life itself. How I praise you! I will honor you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest of foods. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I think how much you have helped me. I sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings. I follow close behind you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who trust in him will praise him, while liars will be silenced. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 20 and 21. The Lord hates people with twisted hearts, but he delights in those who have integrity. You can be sure that evil people will be punished, but the children of the godly will go free.